We have got a fantastic show for you guys today, still reporting on the ground in Europe. As I record this, that's why we're still audio only because there's a lot of travel. I don't always have a studio available, but we're gonna make sure that we still have the news available. We're gonna talk about Biden and the President Biden comments on the Second Amendment coming for your nine millimeter ammo. We're also gonna talk about the latest in Ukraine, a little bit more about my trip there and this latest response to the world food crisis emanating from these 20 million tons of grain that are stuck in Ukraine. But first, a little info about what's going on at TPUSA. So at TPUSA.com, you can go and download uh, your copy, buy your copy of The Conservative Response to the Great Reset. This book, Charlie Kirk has just put it out, all the information that you need for a low, low donation. Next, Tampa, Florida, July 22nd to 24th, 2022. We have the Student Action Summit. You can register and gain access tpusa.com slash sas. President Trump is a confirmed speaker and make sure you use promo code POSO, all caps, P-O-S-O, for up to 25% off your general admission ticket. Be there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, brought to you by Turning Point USA. Today, we are still in Europe. I'm not announcing the location, but we'll be headed home soon, I can announce. Today's top stories, President Biden has come out saying that the Second Amendment was never absolute. And Trudeau has now announced a national freeze on handgun sales across Canada. Next, the Department of Justice will investigate the failed police response to the Uvalde shooting. Third, Unilever CEO tells Elon Musk to relax after calling his ESG rankings a scam. And finally, a story that comes close to where we've been reporting this week, Russia is re- claims that they are ready to help overcome the food crisis if the West lifts sanctions imposed over Ukraine, uh, Ukraine Putin says in a call with Draghi. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. So today, we're moving forward. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. So there you have Prime Minister Trudeau fresh off the backs of banning the truckers from being able to honk horns in Canada's capital. We now hear him attacking this idea and actually announcing the idea, a ban on the selling, the transfer, or the import of handguns into Canada, a national freeze on handgun ownership. President Biden recently came out and said, talking about nine millimeter ammunition that the Second Amendment was never absolute. You know, that's interesting because actually the Second Amendment does include the words shall not be infringed. You can you can see it right there in the in the text. It's not um it's not vague, it's not, you know, obscure, it's not some reference to 18th century writing that we can't find uh, any any um you know any connection to today. It's not indecipherable. It says right there, shall not be infringed. Look, here's what's going on. So whenever a mass shooting happens, as horrible as they are, as disgusting as they are, the authorities, particularly on the left, jump to blame 
the very group of people that had nothing to do with it. They blame lawful gun owners. So you see the problem with that, right? This is the same type of society that says, well, or the same type of group of people that whenever there's a crime, they say, we have to fix society. They never say, we have to deal with criminals. We have to deal with the criminal element because they refuse to believe that someone or anybody could choose of their own volition, right, for for various reasons, right, to conduct crime. In this case, clearly, the individual involved was mentally disturbed. Um, there's videos now popping up of this kid torturing animals, carrying around bo- or, uh, bags full of dead cats, was the one video I saw from the New York Post, and stories of him use- driving around with a BB gun and using it to shoot people and shoot animals, right? It used to be in America that, especially in small towns like this, you knew. You knew who the problem people were, and you kept an eye on them. You knew who was an issue, and number one, you kept an eye on them, or number two, you said, you know what? This person, they rise to the level of needing uh, institutional confinement, and you would institutionalize them, right? You would send them to a mental institution, a public mental institution, where they could be observed, they could be monitored, and hopefully treated, right? My father worked in one of those institutions for nearly 30 years. My grandmother worked there as well. Where I grew up just outside of Philadelphia, we had a large one of these. It was called the um, the Pennsylvania State Hospital in Norristown, Pennsylvania. And so back in the 90s, I saw them slowly dismantling that system and defunding it, breaking it down. And I remember asking my dad, I said, Dad, what's going to happen to all the people that are inside here? Where are they going to go? Who's going to take care of them? And he said, well, they're going to graduate and they're going to go out. I remember playing Little League in our town when I was a kid. And the baseball field, Aki Field, was actually just across from the mental institution, literally right across the street. Um, There's a big fence outside. But I remember there being a situation where a patient had escaped and escapees happened from time to time. And it was always the talk of the town. And so... I remember my dad saying, you know, when we went to baseball practice or we were playing a game there, just to be careful, to be on lookout, because you don't know what type of person might just be walking by the baseball field because it's literally right there, right? And that's how it used to be in small towns. That's how it used to be in a town environment that you knew what was going on, you took care of your own. If you knew somebody was a problem, you kept an eye out for them or you uh, you took steps to deal with the issue. We don't act like that anymore for some reason. We act as if society is to blame for everything that goes wrong. And then you turn around and say, okay, we're going to blame law-abiding gun owners, law-abiding owners of uh, however many 9mm rounds they want, right? I'm not even going to say publicly how many 9mm rounds I have, but guess what? Every single one of them was purchased lawfully, and every single one of them has ne- has only ever been used at the range or for otherwise legal purposes, right? Same with all my ammunition and all my firearms. This is something where it has become a cultural touchstone to virtue signal. And then you look at Canada, right? It's almost as if it's almost as if Biden knows that uh, he can't get most of America on board with the things that he's saying. So he goes to Canada because Trudeau is another one of these World Economic Forum 
globalist, you know, uh, technocratic liberals. So what he does is say, look, we can't get anyone in the United States to back me up. So I've got to go to you and I've got to go to you and act like a vassal state of the globalist American empire. And you need to announce a ban on handguns. You need to hyper signal. You need to hyper signal forward. Right? And you watch Australia will do something. The UK will do something. And there's a reason for this. The reason for this is inside the United States, you do not have the same type of appetite for it. Look, I've been over here in Europe for the past two weeks. The issue, obviously, the story has come up as I've been here. Um, it's simply seen as a huge difference. It's just, just looked at differently between the United States and Europe, right? Europeans do not have the same gun culture as the U.S. But I will say something having come from Ukraine just now. The people of Ukraine would not be able to be fighting back right now in any way if they did not have access to firearms. If they didn't have that, and you saw the government there was handing out AK-47s like they were candy. The candy on Christmas early on in this. And I don't mean to make light of it, I'm just making a point. Chairman Mao even said this, political power, political power grows from the barrel of a gun. That's where you get your political power from. At the end of the day, it comes down to guns and steel. And the people of Ukraine are fighting back because they know that. I've never seen more AK-47s in one place in my life than when I spent this time in Ukraine. Tesla was just knocked off the S&P 500 due to not being woke enough. I kid you not, that's the latest coming out of Wall Street. You know, every day we hear about another major corporation that has gone woke, tormenting their employees with leftist propaganda and funding organizations that seem to hate the United States, traditional values, and the Constitution. That's why Human Events Daily is proud to partner with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same great nationwide coverage as the major carriers. So you get your the same service, literally the same service, but the peace of mind that knowing your money is going to support free speech, life, and liberty. Seriously, folks, if you want to continue to support the work that Human Events Daily is doing, support our sponsors. Just go support our sponsors, make the switch, make the change, support these products, go into the description of every podcast that we have, find one that makes sense for you, go click that one and say, you know what, I'm going to support this one because I want to support Human Events Daily. I want to support this fight. Patriot Mobile, they've got great plans. They'll fit your budget. Their entire customer support team, they're right located in the United States. And then their money, they go and pay it forward. They pay it forward to support organizations fighting for religious freedoms, constitutional rights, the sanctity of life, and veterans and first responders. Use promo code POSO for free activation. Go to patriotmobile.com slash POSO, patriotmobile.com slash POSO. The link is in the description. that audio you hear right there is Biden being booed while visiting Texas this week. The U.S. Department of Justice, according to FoxNews.com, announced Sunday that it's conducting an investigation into the law enforcement response to the mass school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. At the request of the Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin, the U.S. Department of Justice will conduct a critical incident review of the law enforcement response to the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas on May 24th, spokesman Anthony Coley said in a statement. 
The goal of the review is to provide an independent account of law enforcement actions and responses that day and to identify lessons learned and best practices to help first responders prepare for and respond to active shooter events. The review will be conducted. Okay, all right, let's 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 just cut through this. Seriously, there need to be lawsuits right now. And those lawsuits need to be done in conjunction with public inquiries, grand juries. Governor, where is Governor Abbott? Why is Governor Abbott not yet said there is going to be a Texas attorney general, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas? Let's go. Let's go. You got a problem here. Look, I understand that conservatives are the law and order side. I understand that conservatives are the ones who say that we want to defend society. We want to defend our traditions. That's fine. But guess what? This is not a tradition. This is not how our society should work. You got a problem here. You have an absolute problem. And I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is. You've put police officers in these situations for so long, demonized people, second guessing them, that now we're getting to a point where a lot of the good officers, and I said this last year and I said it in 2020, a lot of the good officers have left the force. They're going to other, other places and you're getting people inside these departments that are just not good. They're not good cops. And if you have a situation where you don't have good cops, it leads to stuff like this. I'm sorry. But the answer is not abolishing your police force. The answer is not ending law and order. That would be ridiculous. If you didn't have police, you wouldn't have someone who was able to stop this shooter. They went in there safely and were able to stop the shooter. But unfortunately, because you had idiots running the department, apparently, they were told to not go in at first and don't worry about it because that's a barricade. They thought it was a hostage situation, not an active shooter. Even as they could hear the gunshots going off, the parents were, go- were about to run in. That's how bad it got. We shouldn't be in a situation where the parents are even thinking about rushing in. The officers should have rushed in first, period. There's a huge problem in our society. It's a problem of incompetence. It's a problem of immorality, a lack of duty, a lack of sense of urgency, a lack of seriousness. All of this needs to be addressed. And I look to the officials of Texas because I never, I'm going to say this again, I never in my life thought that I would see a group of armed Texans, Texans, and I say this as a Yankee out of Pennsylvania, but a group of armed Texans standing around outside 40 plus minutes while a madman was inside a schoolhouse gunning down children. You got a huge problem in our society, a massive problem. Micromanagement, mid-level managers, no one who is willing to step up and have the courage to do the right thing. You know, we're talking about standards, metrics, indices. Uh, I want to address Elon Musk's tweet, and Brian, I'm going to get you to comment on that. Uh, You know, Musk tweeting that ExxonMobil finds itself at the top of an ESG ranking and Tesla doesn't belong there. Uh, What's wrong with the world? You know, there are about 15 different credible ranking systems of companies right now. And of course, we've looked at how Unilever stacks up on, uh, on all of them. And on average, we do quite well, but there are a couple where we don't do very well at all. 
Um, and this is exactly the point of this conversation. You shouldn't be able to pick and choose the index that you, uh, that you demonstrate your credentials against. And so um, I think Elon can relax because there's plenty of other uh, rating systems out there where I'm sure Tesla will come out absolutely top of the pack. Um, and the real point is we shouldn't pick and choose rating systems. There should be a common standard uh, that we can all use as uh, asset owners, asset managers and companies. And that's exactly the work that uh, Emmanuel is leading. And, and I think it's an important piece of work. Well, so that's very interesting. The audio you're hearing there is the Unilever CEO, Alan Jobe telling Elon Musk, hey, you can just relax, relax on ESG. And I'm kind of confused because is he admitting that ESG is a scam in this? Because Elon Musk essentially came out and said that ESG is a scam. So what's ESG? ESG is environmental, social, and governance scores. This is essentially, and we've been talking about this here on the podcast for a long time, about the Great Reset. We're doing a documentary on the Great Reset. Charlie's got the book up at tpsa.com. We went to the World Economic Forum to explain what the Great Reset is, the medical implications of the Great Reset through the WHO. So go and make sure you're checking that out. We will put this documentary out as soon as it is finished. But ESG scores are essentially part of the enforcement arm of the Great Reset, whereas BlackRock and Blackstone, they're the operations arms of the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum. It's basically, it basically means that you will get more money for your company if you have a higher score and if you get a higher score because of your adherence to woke values on environmental, social and government issues. And so what does it say? Uh, Elon Musk made the comments as Tesla lost its place on the S&P 500 index for companies in ESG issues. So look at this. Now your rankings, your rankings. So now Tesla is no longer a member of, according to this, and this is from the postmillennial.com, Tesla is no longer a, a member of the S&P 500 because of, quote, ESG issues. Listen to this. S&P Dow Jones Indices head of ESG for North America, Margaret Dorn, wrote in a blog post. Doesn't that sound nice? Look at how many titles this person has, by the way, right? If this was real, she would have one title. We have too many people with titles out there today. Just another issue. But we'll, I digress. She wrote that Tesla had a relatively stable score for ESG year on year, but it has been outdone by global industry peers. Listen to this. Tesla was ineligible for index inclusion due to its low S&P DJI ESG score, three which fell in the bottom 25% of its global GICS industry group peers. It joins Berkshire Hathaway, Johnson & Johnson, and Meta, which have once again met the index methodology's chopping block. A few of the factors contributing to its 2021 S&P DJI ESG score were a decline in criteria-level scores, relating to Tesla's lack of low-carbon strategy 5 and codes of business conduct. While Tesla may be playing its part in taking fuel-powered cars off the road, it has fallen behind its peers when examined through with a wider ESG lens. Listen to that. A wider ESG lens. And what does that mean? Well, that means whatever they want it to mean. They can do whatever they want with it because they're widening the lens more and more. If you do not adhere, if you are not being woke enough, then you can literally make electric cars and still not be good enough. That's what Elon Musk does, right? Remember, this guy was the poster boy of the left and the green movement for a decade, a decade plus. He was the guy putting, uh, you know, putting electric cars on the road, putting the charging stations on the road and getting, you know, the idea was that you were going to get these, uh, combustion engines off the road. That was the whole point of Tesla. 
And so Elon's response is this, Exxon is rated top 10 best in the world for environment, social, and governance ESG by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't even make the list. ESG has been, is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. Actually kind of amazing, right? It's actually kind of, I look at this, this is from Unilever. We shouldn't pick and choose rating systems. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's just, you're just arguing about the methodology. No, you keep changing the methodology. The methodology doesn't make any sense. It never made any sense. You realize what they're doing. They're putting political, social, and cultural issues into the corporate space. And this is what I've been talking about for a long time. This is the way they're doing it now. They realize that they can't institute the great reset through the ballot box. And so what they're doing is they're instituting it through corporate finance. They realize that if they go into the Fed, they go into BlackRock, they go into Blackstone, they work the ESG scores, they work the indices, they work Dow Jones, S&P, NASDAQ, etc. They will drop your score. They will drop you from these lists if you are not woke enough. So you know that story, and I talked to Alex Clark about this on The Spillover uh, like six months ago, and I said, look, you understand why is it that companies seem like they're going woke? And there's that meme out there on the internet of get woke, go broke. Get woke, go broke, right? Okay, but the problem is that's not how the companies are constituted anymore. It's not about making money from your products. I mean, that's part of it, right? But the real idea is propping up your stock price. And if you can prop up your stock price by using um, investment and getting a higher ESG score, then you have access to funds from BlackRock and Blackstone, and they have markets in the trillions of dollars. They are managing um, funds worth trillions of dollars, far, far larger than the consumer market. Understand the situation. Understand what point in the movie we are in. They don't need you anymore. These companies are, exist on paper. They're getting funny money. They're getting all of this is being printed. And by the way, none of this has stopped. Not none of this has stopped. None of the quantitative easing. None of the Fed printing. You got forty billion. We're not even really sure where it's going in Ukraine. Um, I can tell you, I, I went to Ukraine and I have no clue where the forty billion is going. None whatsoever. I saw people bring, coming in with tourniquets and body armor, health packs, food, supplies, helmets. But that was all volunteer-based. That was all coming in from volunteer organizations, as well as the humanitarian aid. A lot of great humanitarian aid organizations. Caritas is the one that I've chosen to support, and I've supported all the way through. I actually ran into some of the people from Caritas at the train station in Poland right before we crossed into Ukraine. And they're there right on the ground. They're right there. But as far as the $40 billion, um, you know, obviously, if it's going directly to a lot of this military aid, we know that that's, that's where that's going to be. It's been going to the front lines. But you really have to understand. You really have to understand the people of Ukraine are the ones that, that it's not touching. And that's the same problem, isn't it? That's the same problem we have here. Because it's money that doesn't exist. In, it is on paper. It exists on paper. And as far as actual benefits to the people, not much, but benefits to those in power all over the place. And that's the entire point of the ESG system. Putin's invasion of Ukraine has driven up gas prices and food prices all over the world. The two largest grain producers in the world, China and uh, me, Ukraine and Russia, are not doing what they usually do. So everything's going up. 
We saw today's inflation data. 70% of the increase in prices in March came from Putin's price hike in gasoline. Well, and there's President Biden speaking about how, of course, it's all Russia to blame for the food shortages. It's all Russia to blame for the inflation. It's all Russia to blame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know where Biden inflation comes from. We know that this situation has started with the money printing that's been going on to their buddies. We've talked about the cotillion effect. How many times have I talked about the cotillion effect? Seriously. It's the idea that those closest to the king benefit at the expense of those further away when the crown injects more gold into the system, right? That was the Catian effect all the way back in the kingdom of France in medieval times. It is still the same exact economic effect today. But Russia now has come out and said that it would allow ships carrying food to leave Ukrainian ports if some sanctions were lifted. So we just got back from the city of Odessa. Odessa has been blockaded. Now, what does that mean? Well, of course, Ukraine is the breadbasket or one of the breadbaskets of Europe. And that means that 20 million grains, 20 million tons of grains are stuck in Ukraine amid a global food crunch. The port city of Odessa, Ukraine's largest port, has been blockaded since February 24th, since the start of the war. Russia, the Russian Navy, the Black Sea Fleet has been blockading it. So the city of Odessa and in Ukraine, they can feed themselves. But uh, obviously, there are trains, but they're few and far between. Ships would be the fastest and most efficient way to get it out. But because it's blockaded, it's, it's gone down to a trickle. So this is from Business Insider. A senior Russian government official said the Kremlin would allow ships carrying food to leave Ukrainian ports in exchange for the lifting of sanctions. Ukrainian ports in the Black Sea have been blockaded since Russia's invasion of February 24th, leaving more than 20 million metric tons of grain stuck in Ukraine, per Reuters. This disruption is exacerbating a world food crunch, as Ukraine accounts for 12% of global wheat exports and 17% of global corn exports. Remember, the world runs on a 90-day food supply. That's it for the entire planet. There are only nine meals between civilization and anarchy. There are only nine meals between civilization and anarchy, and the world runs on a 90-day food supply. You go past that, and then you reach the breaking point. You're going to see food riots. You think what you see at a supermarket or at one of these stores on a Black Friday sale is bad. You haven't seen any. Go look at the streets of Sri Lanka right now. Go look what's going on down there. Trincomalee, Colombo. They're rioting in the streets because they can't get food, because they can't eat, because their children are starving. So understand what's going on here. These sanctions and this tete-a-tete are going to go back and forth until there is any kind of rapprochement, until there is any kind of negotiation. That's why Kissinger, of all people, is calling for a negotiated settlement. You've got to find a way. So what have they said? Um, according to Vasily Nebesnia, the Russian ambassador to the United Nations, they would allow a safe corridor for access to the key Odessa port if, but only if, okay, the translation's bad here, but only if sanctions were lifted on Russian exports and financial transactions. Because remember, a lot of the Russian sovereign wealth fund, those US dollars, were frozen. They did not expect that going into this. So that is a key point of economic leverage. 
But Russia, on the other hand, has two things. They've got black gold in terms of the oil and the liquid natural gas under their uh, under their surface, as well as their reserves. They've also got their military. And as well, as long as they control those two things, they can be very powerful in that region. This is the entire point, the crux where we're at. So is it worth it? Is it worth it? Um, Russia, of course, claims that Ukraine mined the ports, not us. There was a corridor, but they're not using it, et cetera, et cetera. So they're blaming it on them back and forth, back and forth. In fact, while we were in Odessa, we actually saw a sign. I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the podcast yesterday, um, but we saw a sign on the beach in Odessa that said, warning mines, right at the local public beach in downtown Odessa, that there were, that do not go on this because there are mines on the beach. Now, that could be real. That could be a psyop. We're not sure, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm not going on that beach. The leaders of this situation need to come back and figure out a way to come back to the negotiating table. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba hit back at the suggestion calling it clear blackmail and stated, you could not find a better example of blackmail in international relations, Kuleba told the World Economic Forum in Davos on Wednesday. If anyone is buying it, I think there is a problem with that person and we shouldn't waste too much time trying to understand why that person is making that point. So again, as this war continues, more and more people are going to suffer. And that's it. That's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. Remember our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Uh, Your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends and leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I've been reading some of the comments coming in on yesterday's podcast now, the reviews. I really appreciate everybody uh, sharing that. Um, very, very overwhelmingly positive reviews. <laughs> you know, I was about to say we'll do it again, but you know, we'll we'll do it. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens about doing it again. But you know, I was worried about the the audio, right? Because we're literally recording this on a Soviet era train traveling through the night uh, across southern Ukraine, and I was worried about the audio from the the clacking of the rail lines, the metal. And the wind coming through because the windows weren't really uh, fastened all the way. They weren't sealed. So what I did was I found a an empty compartment on the train, pushed the window as, as sh- closed as shut as possible, and then taped over the window just to try to make the audio sound, the background sounds muffled, make it de minimis so that it would really just add kind of to the, the atmosphere of it. But I was hoping that it wouldn't actually overwhelm the sound of the microphone and you know that's that's all I've got here is a microphone and a um, microphone and a laptop and um, you know fortunately we bought a local sim card and 4G was was available throughout um, southern and western Ukraine so on three networks uh, Vodafone, uh, LifeCell and um, uh, Ukraine Star and so we were able to get that out well from I literally uploaded it from the train back to the folks uh, on our team back in the U.S., and they were able to produce that, clean up the audio a little bit. So really appreciate that, producer Mike, producer Shaw, everything that they did to make that podcast come out. What did we talk about today? Biden, President Biden saying the Second Amendment was never absolute and Trudeau Im- implementing a national freeze on handgun sales across Canada. The Department of Justice to investigate police response to Uvalde shooting. The Unilever CEO telling Elon Musk to relax after he called ESG rankings a scam and Russia standing ready to help overcome the food crisis but in exchange for the left, the, the West lifting sanctions imposed over Ukraine. Putin in call with Draghi. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. 
May 31st, 1862, during the American Civil War, the Battle of Seven Pines occurred as Confederate General Joseph E. Johnston's army attacked Union General George McClellan's troops in front of Richmond, Virginia, and nearly defeated them. Johnston was badly wounded, and Confederate General Robert E. Lee then assumed command, replacing the wounded Johnston. Lee renamed his force the Army of Northern Virginia. And this was one of the events that led to Lee becoming essentially the overall military commander of the Confederates. Today is May 31st, 2022, Anno Domine. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore. <laughs>